We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Digital music is the easiest way to listen to music, right? But for some, nothing beats the sound of a needle dropping on a vinyl album. You go through this very tactile ritual, and then what you hear does sound richer and fuller and seems to fill the room differently than your CD or your tape or your digital recording. As we approach Record Store Day, why is vinyl music so endearing? This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. As a child of the 1990s, I certainly had some tapes, but CDs were the thing of the moment. We've seen both tapes and CDs fade in the face of digital music, but CDs were only king for a while. We've seen them fade in the face of digital music. But what about vinyl records? Well, in 2022, for the first time since 1987, vinyl sales topped CD sales. Why? We know it's not convenience. So my usual partner in storytelling, Annie Scaramazzino and I, we dug in. Annie, we are here in Motown, Detroit Rock City, a place where music matters every second of every day. And as we approach Record Store Day, we started to think about records and music. But let's start with a treasure hunt. Let's start with a Frank Wilson Motown album. Yeah, I mean, I I think in general, things like Record Store Day in Detroit, as the kids say, hit a little different just because we are such a music based community and city. Like you said, we even have different names. We're Detroit Rock City. We're Motown. You know, we're the we're the home of techno. We're all these different things. And we do have all these sort of hidden gems at our disposal that were created in Detroit that never left the city. So sometimes when you're digging around on a day like Record Store Day, there's a chance you might find something that's world renowned that was created here in Detroit. And stayed in our own backyard. And that's kind of what happened with this Frank Wilson single. We wanted to talk to a music expert. So we called Gary Graff, who's been a Detroit music journalist for decades, and he explained the value of that Frank Wilson album to us. Frank Wilson, he made the choice himself that he'd rather be a producer than a performer. And then when that happened, uh, there were apparently only, I don't know, 250, 300 copies of this single. And then either he asked for them to be destroyed or Barry Gordy said, well, we're not going to push somebody who's not going to be out there performing it. So you do your thing and, you know, we're going to get rid of this. Collectors are geeks. So it doesn't necessarily matter whether it was a number one hit. It's that there were no known copies until this test pressing was discovered in 2018. And, you know, it becomes a holy grail of sorts. It's for any any collector geek to hold up and say, guess what? I got this. You don't, and you won't because you can't. That album, Do I Love You, it's right here in Detroit, and it was owned by Denise and Dan Zija. They own Melodies and Memories in East Point, and Annie, we got to talk to Denise, and the story of the album itself, it's amazing. 
The thing I really love about this story, Zach, is that even though that record and the single among collectors has this like worldwide appeal, right? Because this sort of um, you know northern soul, as it's referred to, is popular around the world. It's popular in Europe and in England, and you know specifically kind of overseas as well as, of course, here in Detroit and in the United States. So there's you know collectors when they heard about this, their ears perked up all across the world, literally. In the test pressing, that's one in a hundred million. So I called my friend over in the UK and he's like, I don't believe you. We were up all night talking to him and going back and forth. And he's like, can I release this to the world and let people know that you have this? The next day we woke up and it was like crazy with emails and text messages. You know, everybody wanted to know about it, but we always knew that it had to stay in Detroit, that it had to stay where it belongs. I got offers from the UK, from Switzerland, from Australia, and we wanted it to be here. But what I really like about it is that, you know, this Frank Wilson single, even though very few of these singles were pressed, it stayed here in Metro Detroit and ended up in East Point. And then it changed hands again, but still stayed here in Detroit. You mentioned, Annie, that it changed hands again. Gary said it, and he's correct, that collectors are nerds. doesn't matter what they collect, but they are collectors, are obsessed with the things that they collect. And when it comes to vinyl nerds, one in Detroit, he reigns supreme. And you may have heard of him. Jack White is the king of vinyl. Jack White is a vinyl messiah. He genuinely and truly loves it. And he's dedicated a lot of his third man records operations to the repopularization and preservation of vinyl. You know, third man from the outset started to find all these old titles and collections that had been out of print so that he could bring them back and turn them into vinyl. And then, of course, starting a new vinyl pressing plant, which we hadn't had in the United States for many years. You know, before that, he has been instrumental in kind of leading the charge. And he's found plenty, not just consumers, but even within the industry, he's found plenty of kindred souls to follow him as he charges up the hill, you know, bearing that standard. Collecting vinyl, Annie, has become popular over the last 10 years or so, and a lot of that is thanks to Jack White and Third Man Records in Midtown, but as our co-worker Roberto Beauchene says, it's not a new hobby for everybody. First record I bought, I was 12 years old, so it was 1992. I still have that record. What was it? It was a Rush compilation, three LPs, and remember, at this point, nobody wanted records anymore. Nobody. They were giving them away. Record would be 50 cents, 25 cents, and, and really good stuff. There were stores like Record Time, Hot Hits, place I started at was in St. Clair Shores. I was 12 years old, was called Tom's Tunes, and I uh, begged for a job. I don't know if I even got paid. I just wanted to hang out at a good record store all day. So, you know, I was always a big music collector. And then in 2010, I just, for some reason, I started again, and I would just get little pieces here and there. I was all over eBay all the time, and pretty soon my collection got to like, I don't know, two, 3,000 records or something like that. Roberto mentioned that at one point he had 3,000 albums, and I thought that was a lot until we met Denise. Denise, you know, let us know what their, you know, personal collection consists of, and I, my jaw fell open. Let's just put it this way. Our record collection is vast. Honestly, we probably have about a half a million records in our own collection. I would love to visually see what that looks like, because 500,000 records, she estimated, that to me is crazy. And I would wonder where that would rank among like the largest record collections in the world. Music is such a social form of entertainment, Annie, when you think about 
concerts especially, and certainly you can enjoy music alone. You've done it. I've done it. But doing it with others who share your passion, that's the preferred method. People that just come in regular record shoppers that have became great friends of ours over the years. They come in, say hi, they bring food, you know, they, they hang out, they, you know, bring in albums to listen to or they talk about the old days and they pull out albums and, you know, he'll be playing. And then I'll call him and say, hey, do you know what time it is? Oh, I lost, we lost track of time. <laughs> I hear that quite a bit. Even somebody who doesn't like the same genres of music as you do, being a collector or going to record store day or, you know, standing in line outside while you're waiting to get in to sort of like see what they have as far as new releases and things like that. Those experiences are universal. You don't always even have to like the same kind of music or artists to connect about music. And that's a really cool thing. We're talking about music in general, but we're gearing up for Record Store Day. And when it comes to the way you can listen to music, Annie, there's just something different about vinyl. And that's because of the way the listing is actually executed. It's not the same as other forms of music. There's all these schools of thought about audio and, you know, the warmth of vinyl. But then again, there's also that like tactile element. The whole exercise of the vinyl listening experience is a ritual. You took the record out of the sleeve. You took the disc out of the paper. You very carefully, with both of your hands, put it on your turntable. And, you know, you either blew on it or you used your dishwasher to clean it off. You just went through this tremendous ritual. So it really is. It's a very tactile experience. I certainly do understand how that translates into more enjoyment of the aural experience. You go through this whole ritual, very tactile ritual, and then what you hear does sound richer and fuller and seems to fill the room differently than your CD or your tape or your digital recording does. But then there's also this element of it, too, that I think is really cool, which is that, you know, we're so used to now the way that artists release music. Sometimes they don't even do full albums anymore. Sometimes they just release as singles or they'll release a single at a time until the album's out. Of course, when you have a vinyl record with, say, 12 tracks on it, maybe two different sides, you almost have to listen to the whole thing all the way through. You're not going to just pick up the needle and drop it somewhere else. There are some people who are really good at doing that. But, you know, it kind of makes you sit down for the full experience to really, like, listen to the album start to finish the way the artist intended you to do. And I think that that's really kind of a cool part of, you know, being a record enthusiast is that you can really appreciate the work, how it was intended to be appreciated. When we talk about Record Store Day, Annie, you don't need an excuse to go out and enjoy good music in a communal way. You just don't. But that doesn't mean we won't take an excuse and run with it. You know, Record Store Day, it's a keeper. It's a day of fellowship and community. I'm just so glad it exists. I think it's one of those things that is like good through and through. You know, I mean, there's not much argument you can make for why Record Store Day shouldn't be something that's celebrated. You know, it, it was conceived in about 2007. It started officially in 2008 and has been going ever since. So it's still, you know, pretty young. Um, but at a time where, you know, some of the independent music stores have dropped off through the years and there's some that have thankfully stuck around because I think they're really important parts of our community. Um, you know, it's a way to really celebrate those those folks that, that own the stores and have facilitated these experiences for us over the decades. It's a way to celebrate the actual buy and collecting of music and supporting artists in the way that we all should. Record Store Day is about reconnecting with this experience we've been describing. 
Even though, yes, you can get CDs, you can get cassettes, you can even get eight tracks on Record Store Day. But Record Store Day really is geared to the vinyl aficionado and the vinyl market and having that experience that you had in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even into the 80s of going and gathering and being with fellow music fans. Forget the format. It's something that brings music fans together. And there's a scarcity aspect that's involved in Record Store Day. So they only get so many copies of each title. And so you're trying to get there and there's that Explorer thing. It's a great way to reconnect with how special music buying used to be. We had to ask Denise what she thought the next 30 years would hold. We've seen vinyl go on this kind of roller coaster ride over the last 40 or 50 years, but I wonder what the next 30 might look like. I think that vinyl will always be pressed. It's just that ebb and tide, you know, with everything that goes up and down. And But I still think vinyl's going to stand the test of time. There's so many good artists out there, so many good past artists, that it's overwhelming how much good music has been made and good memories that you get from all that good music. I mean... You know, when you played something back when you heard it as a child, I mean, and that probably sticks with you now if you put it on. It's like, wow. I remember riding the back of my parents' car. We were going on vacation. We played this. It's a great feeling. It's amazing what music can do for you and your soul. You know, their role in all of this is the same. And so, you know, of course, over the last 35 years, they have seen so many changes in the world in general with how we consume media. But their role in all of it is kind of stayed the same in the best way possible. And so I'm sure 30 years from now, there will be a lot of things that make today look unrecognizable. But I think people like Dan and Denise and those who are really passionate about this kind of thing, they'll still be there. And I think that's a beautiful thing. The simple answer is in 30 years from now, you'll probably still be able to drive down Gratiot into East Point and walk into that same record store. And Dan and Denise are going to be standing right there. Today's big thanks go to Denise and Dan Zija, Gary Graff, Roberto Beauchene, and of course, Annie Scaramazzino. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. If you want the Daily J delivered right to you, all you have to do is subscribe using the Odyssey app or get it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Zach Clark, and this is the Daily J. Thanks for listening. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.